I've got some bad news. All have fallen short of God's glory, and there's nothing to fix it that we can do. I've got some bad news. God granted us with his image, and we repaid him with our abuse. I've got some bad news. We have been tirelessly at work and have rightfully earned all the judgment of which we have been accused. I've got some bad news. This accusation bears a debt that all penalties of this magnitude must use. Your very life will be taken, and infinitely from God's presence you shall be removed. I've got some bad news. All of this is true. But this is not the only story the printing press of the world has introduced. For I've got some good news, too. Since there was not one person who could save themselves, God stepped into humanity's shoes. I've got some good news. This shoe-wearing God is known as the Christ, the anointed one whom the entire story of God has always had in its view. I've got some good news. He was pierced for our transgressions, for our iniquities he was bruised. He carried away our shame and oppression as his body was carried into a tomb. I've got some good news. This Jesus did not just die under the wrath of God, but the sting of death he has removed. For he rose from the dead so that from its depths new life he may now reproduce. I've got some good news. No, better make it great. That while you and I were filled with hate towards God, he did for us what we refused. I've got some great news. There is no amount of sin into which God's grace cannot be infused. There is no stain on your dress that God cannot make brand new. I've got some great news. It doesn't matter if you are a user or adulterer, alcoholic or murderer, prostitute or prisoner, all your sins can be removed. It doesn't matter if you are a hater of God, a neglectful father, a lover of wrong, a distant mother, all wrinkles can be made smooth. It doesn't matter if you are sexually broken, jealously potent, foul-mouthed, spoken, you are chosen to be cut loose. For God has perfectly saved you with his perfect substitute, I know. Most people would have viewed me as a lost cause. There's so many things that I'm embarrassed to say I've done. I was drifting through this life with no purpose. But God saw me differently. And now I'm changed in the best way. I have become permanently marked. There we have the title for this series. This is week number three of a three-part series. I'm glad that you're here this morning. We've used a verse every week during this service, and it's uh, during the series, I mean, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. In other words, we just thought of him from what we had been told, what we had heard, what we could just as best we could understand. But then he goes on to say, but how differently we know him now. We know him now, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs in Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 
he's describing some kind of transition, even the transition that Mr. Johnny had, a transition of knowing about oh, God, really having a head things. knowledge of what's there, Most... of, of who he is, uh, you know, growing up, having heard about him, and somehow that moving from our head down to our heart. And it's that transition here that he says it goes from knowing about God to really personally knowing him and who he is. Not just becoming a better person or a better version of me, but actually becoming a new person in Christ. But if that's the case, if that is true, and I believe it is, that God is making us new, if you're a follower of his, if you have said that, Jesus, what you did on the cross, when you died, you died for my sin, and you purchased my life. And that means, I, since you purchased it, I'm going to give it to you. It's yours. I was making all my decisions, but now I belong to you. You're my boss and I will let you lead my life because you died on the cross and three days later rose again. If that's what you say, then you say, yeah, then he's, I belong to him. I'm a follower of Jesus. But why don't we feel new? Why don't we feel new? Why do we sometimes still feel guilty or that we're not enough or that we are unworthy? Why is it that we have these negative thoughts that just uh, roam through our minds, uh, bad habits that we can't shake, uh, the self-image that we can't get rid of. And then we look behind us and we see this long trail of mistakes that we have made that makes up our history. I have a history that you don't know about. And you have a history that I have no idea about. We all have our own history and we look at it and we think, why? What am I going to do with all of this mess that I'm dragging behind me? And then we look around us and we see these hurts that have been inflicted upon our lives. And we say, I don't feel new. When I look at all of the junk in my past and I look at all the hurts that I've endured, I don't feel new. I feel wounded or betrayed vulnerable. I, I feel like it's hard to trust people. I, that certainly doesn't feel new, you might say. And then if that's not enough, then we look at habits that we have. We say that we follow Jesus, but then we look around and we see these habits that we still struggle with. We've tried to overcome them and we haven't been able to. We've prayed and say, God, would you take them away from me? And perhaps they stay around. And we feel so many things because of this past and these hurts and maybe even these habits. And we feel these things and maybe we don't even feel like we have changed. I guess it's important for us to understand that feelings, while legitimate, we have to recognize them. While they're legitimate, they are not facts. Our feelings are not facts. Our lives are not changed by our feelings, but the Bible consistently tells us our lives are changed by faith. I remember when I, during our church plant in Shreveport, um, we didn't do anything normal, just kind of like here, we're just not normal. And so our church, we didn't have a normal church van. We had a conversion van. It was rocking. And... The conversion van didn't have a normal conversion van paint job. We took it and we got it wrapped, you know, one of those full-color wraps all the way around it. And it was bright green with polka dots on it. And it had, uh, like, um, 
the bobblehead people that we use in our advertising and stuff had bobbleheads all the way around. It was great. And so I, one day I was driving that van and um, I was at an intersection downtown Shreveport and I was on the phone with somebody and it was not a happy phone call. It was not, I was not in a happy place at all because they were, um, they were just really um, being mean towards somebody in the church. And yeah, I can handle a lot of things, but I just didn't, I don't handle um, people talking about my family and my church family very well. And I was not handling that very well. And in that moment, I was not looking like a new person. And I was in a bright green van. And what's worse, not only could everybody see me in the van, I was upset. I was on the phone. I was kind of angry. And, but as I was talking to this person and making my points, I was also making my points with my foot on the brake. And so I would lift it up a little bit and push it back down as I was making my point. And every time I did that, I nudged forward at the light. And the, that would be okay if it weren't for the Mercedes that were in front of me. And so this really nice brand new Mercedes in front of this bright green church van and slowly I'm getting closer and I can just imagine I didn't notice I can just imagine them seeing this giant beastly lime green van slowly edging its way towards them and sure enough I didn't realize it but I must have touched them and given their reaction and so and to make it worse I'm still have my foot on and off of the brake pedal and so every time I let it off, you know, the engine revs a little bit and moves the Mercedes forward <laughs> just a little bit. And so we're just kind of rocking back and forth there as I'm on this phone call. And finally, they shut their door. They put it in park and they get out of their car and walk around to mine. And they're so angry, upset. And there's nothing I could do except just say, I am so sorry. But in my anger, as I was on this phone call, I just didn't know what else was going on around me. And in that moment, when I was angry, I did not feel knew. I was still a believer and I was still a Christ follower, but I did not feel new. Why is it? Why is it that we can be believers and followers of Jesus and still not feel new? How does this newness thing work and how does it take place? We're going to talk about that. Here's what the Bible has to say in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. It says, he is so rich in kindness and grace talking about God our Father. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. That's why I was talking about what Jesus did on the cross. It wasn't just a death. It was a payment. And it was a payment for the, for the sins of the whole world, which included me. And He purchased my life on the cross. It says, with the blood of his son, and he forgave. The blood of Jesus Christ led to the forgiveness of my sins. That past that I feel guilty about when I look at my past, that's been forgiven. You have been forgiven. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been forgiven from your past. And that forgiveness is in Christ. It's not in doing good. That's not where we get forgiveness. We don't get forgiveness in attending church. 
We don't get forgiveness by signing up for a small group. We don't get forgiveness by serving on a serving team. We don't get forgiveness by the things we do. It comes only because Jesus purchased our forgiveness on the cross and the Heavenly Father granted it. And when we give ourselves to Him, He forgives all the junk in our life. His forgiveness. There was a time in my life I, I owed a thousand dollars to somebody, and I just hated going to the mailbox because I did not have a thousand dollars to pay them back. I didn't have it, and it just drove me. You know, I just it, it just every time I thought about it, it just I was depressed, and it would bring me down, and I was ashamed, and I was sad, and I was felt guilty. I felt all of these things every time I thought about that, and every time I went to the mailbox, just thinking, "Oh, here comes another letter, another reminder that I owe this money, and I don't have the money to pay it." Right now, I don't know what to do. And one day, sure enough, there was another letter, and I opened it up. I was opening. I just, I was just, I was sick. I'd made myself sick thinking about it. I opened it up, and there, written in the letter, it said, "Paid in full." And that that I owed was gone. My debt was canceled, lovingly canceled. There was nothing I could have done to have earned that. It just was lovingly canceled. And when Jesus forgives us, he lovingly cancels all of our debts. He forgives all of those sins. And he says, guess what? I'm going to take on all of that cost, all of that price. I'll take it on myself. And I'll pay for it on the cross. And that's exactly what he did. He took all of our debt, all of our sin debt, and he paid for it on the cross. Paid in full. No more debt. No more permanent record there of what we owe. He did away with it. We have the problem of not forgiving ourselves usually for the stuff that we carry around and the junk that we have. But Jesus has forgiven it. The guilt that you feel over maybe that test that you cheated on, when you think about it, that guilt that you feel, guess what? That's already been covered by the cross. The bad choices that you made that led to a secret shame, it's already been forgiven on the cross. The bad choices you made that led to a public humiliation, it's already been forgiven on the cross. The first way that God begins to make us new is to forgive all of that junk in our lives. That's kind of how he gets it started. Romans 8, 1 says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And that's a legal term saying you are no longer guilty if you belong to Jesus. But he doesn't stop with forgiveness. That's kind of how he gets this newness started. Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus read these words. These were, this was an Old Testament prophet. But then Jesus reads these words as he begins his three-year march to the cross, about the age of 30, Jesus reads these words. Listen to them. 
Isaiah 61 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And here the poor meaning really not financially poor, talking about those who are just broken in their spirits. To bring good news to the poor, to the broken. He Then listen to this. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. I want to focus on that phrase, he sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. A picture to look at there is someone who is wind, uh, binding up, who is bandaging the wounds and caring for someone who is wounded. Not only does Jesus make it possible for me and you to be forgiven, but he also wants to be involved in your life and take the hurts that you have experienced and begin to help you heal where you have hurt. We all have hurts. I, I walked through a very dark place slowly. It took me years to get there to a very depressed, dark place. And the end for me was just a quick trip towards death. It took me years to get there. I didn't even realize that's where I was walking or heading. But when I did land there, I began to realize that Jesus, he was the only one who could make a difference in my life. And he took me at my absolute lowest in life and he began to heal my hurts. That's part of making me new. And in doing so, in healing those hurts... You now have a pastor who is able to point people towards a Jesus who can heal their hurts. Those wounds that I experienced, Jesus began to heal. Last week we said that what the enemy meant to do to harm you and hurt you and to take you out... God can take that very same thing and use it to make something amazing. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says this, All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us. In verse 4 it says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And God wants you to know this, that he wants to take care of that past that you have and forgive it. And then he wants to begin to, to, to bandage your wounds and to bring you some healing in the hurts of your life. Why? So that you can just feel better? No, it's so that you, in turn, can be part of the healing of somebody else. God desires this newness to start with forgiveness and then to move to some kind of healing that takes place in the hurts of your life. But then we're left with those things that just hang around, those things that just stick around that we can't get rid of. Some of these habits. You know, our sin can be forgiven, but it seems like our habits, they just stick around. They won't leave. We say, I, I love you, God. But still, maybe we take money that needs to go to bills or life expenses, and we take them, and maybe we gamble that money away that needs to go towards a bill. We say, I love you, God, but then we, we go to the internet and maybe look at things that we know we don't need to be looking at, and we can't stop ourselves. 
We say, I love you, God, and then we go and we spend our money without thinking. We say, I love you, God, and then we go and we eat without thinking. We say, I love you, God, and we have a problem with prescription drugs or even illegal drugs. We say, I love you, God, but yet maybe still the anger in our lives is there. We say, I love you, God, and maybe still we are incredibly critical. We may be forgiven, but maybe we have still hung on to some habits that are in our lives. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 21 says, since you have heard about Jesus, you've learned the truth that comes from him. Verse 22 then gives us a command. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. In other words, he says, you have this old life. And often, instead of throwing it off, we just say, God, I want to follow you. But then we find ourselves with all of these same habits and these same hang-ups. And sometimes, instead of throwing off these things that have been piled onto our lives, we just give God some words, but then yet we place ourselves in environments where those problems abound. Maybe we still hang out with people who have still given themselves freely to that same habit that we're trying to break. So instead of throwing it off and walking away from that habit, we find ourselves still hanging around that same old habit. And as much as it has us, we're hanging around it and we have it as well. But here, the writer is saying we need to throw off, walk away from that old former way of life. Walk away from it. Lay it down. It says, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And then in verse 23, it says, instead, let the Spirit. Now, this is speaking of God's Spirit. If you're a follower, God's Spirit comes to reside within you. It says, instead, let the Spirit renew your... So here's how you become new. He says, walk away from these old habits. And the circles where those habits persist. Walk away from that and let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. In other words, when God begins to change the way we think, it begins to change the way we choose and the things that we do and the attitudes with which we see the world around us. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. And then he tells us another command. Now do this, verse 24. Put on your new nature. Putting on your new nature is allowing God to change the way you think, which changes the way you see the world and the way you react and respond within the world. It says, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And that's not something I can create in me. At best, in my life, I could be just a little bit better. I could be a little better version of Harley. At best, I, I can be nicer. That's, that's the best I can do. But God doesn't want that. He wants new. He wants me and you to be truly righteous and holy, and that's something only he can do. How do we get there? Here's our bottom line today. It says, to be new, you must know. 
know Christ more than you know anyone or anything. To be new, you must know. You must know Christ more than you know anyone or anything. And in order to do that, we have to be around him. We have to spend time with him. We have to be in his word and we have to be talking with him. Every single day, God is helping people put on this new nature as they leave these old habits behind and walk away from old things. Because we know that greater is he, that's God's spirit who is in us, than he that is in the world. Jesus himself said this in John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. And when God sets us free, we are free from the opinions of other people. We are free from the shame that has been heaped upon us. We are free from the guilt that we feel. And we are free from the habits that have held us down. Colossians 3, 9 says, don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. There's that word again. We've taken that off and walked away from it. And verse 10, listen to this. this. Here's what we do. We put on your new nature. And then it says, be renewed. And how does that happen? As you learn to know your creator. And then we become like him. That's where it all happens. You want to become new. It means we must personally get to know our creator. Just like the verse we've used through this whole series says, how differently we know Christ now. And this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has become, has begun. And that's because to be new, we must know, know Christ more than we know anyone or anything. Maybe this morning for the first time you are realizing in your life, I need to give my life to Jesus because he purchased me. When he died on the cross, he bought my life. He purchased me. And this morning, if, that is the, if this is the first time you are acknowledging that to Jesus... That God, you've purchased me and I want to give you this life because you bought it. I have been making all my decisions, but now I'm going to let you make my decisions. I'm going to defer to you. If for the first time you're doing that, there's a place for you on the back of your connection card to write that. It's right under the letters, the A, B, C, D, and E. There's a circle there that says, for the first time, I'm really choosing to become a follower a Christ follower. I'm giving my life to Jesus because he died as a sacrifice for my sins so that I can be his forever. If this morning this is the first time you are really acknowledging that, would you mark that circle? There's a note down there to stop by Guest Connections and pick up this right here, first steps. But please make sure I have a good phone number on there. I would love to contact you this week. Here's another step that all of us could take, really. It's the letter A on the connection card. It says, I need to create a habit of getting to know him. Why do we want to get to know him? Because that is how we become new. That's how he puts all of this newness on us. 
as we get to know him. And it says, I need to create a habit of getting to know him. And then I've got in parentheses there, you'll need to write this, not on your connection card, but somewhere that you keep like your worship guide, thepowerpackonline.com. That's the exact address, and it is there. We put it up there. It's free for you, and it's got tools to help you get to know Jesus. You don't even have to do all of them. Just start with some of them. You can work your way into more and more tools that are on the Power Pack online later, but just start. And if you don't have the internet, that's okay because we've got a handout for you. It's one of these. It looks like this here, but in the middle it says... Um, it says daily habits. And that's the one you need to pick up if you don't have the internet to, to get on this website. We just desire that you would begin to spend more and more and more time personally with Jesus. Because to become new, we have to know him. We have to know him. And for us, that means to know Christ more than we know anyone or anything. And in order to do that, it means we have to spend a lot of time with Jesus. And that's what we're encouraging you to do. I have one final challenge as the, the band is making their way up. We're going to sing a couple of songs and then we're going to leave. One final challenge. I just want to encourage you in your habit of attendance. As you're being a part of Stuttgart Harvest Church, I'm just going to encourage you to attend this next series as we look at Daniel chapters 1 through 6 and we, the, the lives of these young men who had to take a stand. This is a, an amazing series that will encourage you. And we want to encourage you to be a part. Get to know this God who loves you so much. And your habit of attendance will be a part of that. And then inviting those who are around you to be a part of this. This will be a great series to have someone sitting beside you. As we teach you how to stand up when the world around you seems to be going crazy and ridiculous, how to stand with Jesus. It is Jesus who makes us new. The more we know him, the newer we become. Let's pray. God, the prophet Isaiah said, he said, for I'm about to do something new. And God, those were your words. Those were your thoughts. You saying that you are about to do something new. And then you said, see, I've already begun. God, you said that you will make a pathway through the wilderness. Where there seems to be no path and there seems to be no hope, you will make a pathway. And then you said that you will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And God, so many times we feel like we are living in a wasteland and we need you to create a river, a river of life. God, it is in you that we will find our victory. As we know you more, we will become new. We offer you these songs from our heart as worship. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.